0: Hello and welcome to the Travel Project Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Katie. And today we're going somewhere really special. I think it's a big call, but I think I can confidently say my favourite place in the world. We're going to Iceland.
1: The Travel Project, hosted by your travel guides, Matt and Katie Coyle, taking you on a journey to some of the most sought after holiday destinations in the world, giving you the ultimate travel tips and the latest news and deals while you sit back and relax. Thanks to NIB, travel insurance to help you on your way. This is an <laughs> area of
0: the world that everybody that I seem to be speaking to say that is very, very high up on their bucket list.
2: Because it's picturesque, it's, it's stunning, and there's so much to see and do.
0: My first trip was back in 2019, and I went for an eight-day tour around Iceland. And prior to going, I, I did a little bit of a, you know, squeeze online looking at some of the images I hear about how stunning it is and, yeah, the photos were, were great. But when you're there, it's just so, so hard to explain and any image that I've seen of Iceland just does not cut it until you're there.
2: And you were lucky enough to see the Northern Lights.
0: That was, uh, I think, very lucky. We were there in September and September is generally the start of the season but uh, September to April is, is one of the best times now. The start and the end of the season as well is is a great time because it's when you do get better weather, higher chances for the the, the, the clear skies at night. You know what's really fun about it is the excitement for the, for that evening because you never know if the lights are coming.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: You don't, and so everybody's there. Everybody wants to see the lights, so you can get apps and trackers, and it gives you a, an indication of between numbers one and six. And if you're in the four, the chances are high, and it's just building excitement. Then you. You've got cloud cover and is it high clouds and low clouds and, and all the science behind it. But when all things align and the lights come out, it is... Uh, Pretty magical. It's, it's magical. It gives you know, it gives me shivers down my spine just kind of thinking about it. So today I, I am very, very excited to be talking all things Iceland. Um, it's far. So how are we going to get there? It's a long way to go. Yeah. You know, there is uh, uh, there's an app that you can even just have a look online. You can... Um, figure out if you dug a hole from where you're standing right now where you end up on the other side. No there's not. There is.
2: What? <laughs> there is.
0: I do, I do it a bit just out of curiosity to think you know right down and if we dig a hole we're, we're in Melbourne. We get close to Iceland. We're, we're not quite in Iceland but it's it's very very close. Have, have a look. I'm going to actually track this down. I'm going to show you there is a website <laughs> and we're going to
2: what do you do in your spare time? How do you find these things? This, I'm just
0: curious. <laughs> I look at travel. We go, we fly, we cruise, and if we dig, we dig. <laughs> All right. Apart from digging, there's a couple of unique ways. Now, from Melbourne, I got there. Uh, this was again back in 20, 2019. I flew there with one stop. Well, who was that with? Yeah, Air, well, Air Canada at the time they were flying Melbourne to Vancouver. So yeah. right now you'd be okay. going via Sydney, but I went to Vancouver on a direct flight. Got there in the morning, went out into town, and. And, and had some lunch. And then I came back for a flight in the afternoon. Oh, that's not so bad. So that was an option. I think a, a, lot, a lot of people think you need to get to Scandinavia or the UK and then it's another trek from there. Mm. You know, and, and add on to an American trip from New York, it's only about five and a half hours.
2: Yeah, that's not bad at all.
0: It's very easy. So I think so many people find themselves over in the States or, or New York or Eastern Canada and just think, yeah, it's it's right there. The other you know, option it's very easy to get from the UK and, and many different airports in the UK as well. You know, get into the network of, of Iceland Air. Probably the the fastest option would be flying Finnair. I flew Finnair. they don't fly into Australia. But uh, you know, Finair would uh, fly via Singapore, even Tokyo. What better way if you're thinking Iceland, we could fly direct to Tokyo. We could have a couple of days there if you'd like. To experience as as a stopover. I think so many people think the Middle Eastern, you know, countries or Abu Dhabi, Dubai, uh going into Doha or Singapore or Hong Kong that they're the hubs. But let's have a look at Tokyo on the way. Uh, but of course That'd be cool. Singapore's a bit quicker, but we could do that. And then fly via Helsinki again, have a couple of days. Well, what an opportunity, if you choose, or connect straight through. I think I had about two hours and then straight across into Reykjavik into in in Iceland. And uh the best thing with This uh, this option with Finnair is you could then fly home by New York. You don't need to come back the same way you went. And generally, it's not really going to be that much more, some taxes via the States as opposed Mm. to via uh, Asia, and and that's really it.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. I'd do that through New York.
0: I know. You're literally there. It's Mm. it's so
2: close. So you've been fortunate enough to do Iceland twice, and you did it only a couple of months ago, and that was – with cruising
0: on a boat, it was on a boat. On a boat, <laughs> I, I I did. I was I was very very lucky. We'll be talking about this later on in today's episode. But very recently, uh, the first ever cruise ship that uh, that was inaugurated in Iceland uh, mm. was the Norwegian Prima.
2: Yeah, amazing. And, this this ship is incredible.
0: Yeah, it's just ho- so hard to explain. You know, you, if you would ever thought you needed a, a multi-story go-kart track at sea, Um, Well, I didn't think I needed it, but it was there and it was fun. (laughs) There's so much to do, but again, the itinerary that Norwegian Prima is going to be making its way from Iceland across to the UK and then back what an opportunity to see part of uh, Norway or around Iceland and mm. and cruise there or either cruise back. Yeah, um, it's very it's cool. A, a great end or and Katy Perry was on board. Katy Perry and 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 my mate Orlando Bloom.
2: Orlando Bloom.
0: They, he, they <laughs> were on board. Uh, Katy Perry is the godmother of Nor- Norwegian Prima, mm. and uh, so you can't be a godmother without obviously. Uh, well, I don't know. I've never been a godmother, but I assume <laughs> have a have a concert uh, on on board to you know celebrate. The, the first sailing of this absolutely marvel of a ship, the Norwegian Prima. We will we'll be talking about that in today's episode. We are also speaking with Thordis. Thordis is uh, from Tourism Iceland. And, uh, you know, what better to find out rather than me who've had, you know, who's had two trips and, yes, I've designed many itineraries, mm. but someone who lives and breathes and is Icelandic. And speak
2: to the experts.
0: Speak to the people on the ground. She's She wants people to come to her beautiful country, so... Very, very excited that that uh, that that I teed up a chat. with thought of this, and uh, that was a, a a great part of the um, you know what we're doing right now. So we're going through that a little bit uh, later in in today's show.
1: You're listening to the Travel Project. Thanks to NIB Travel Insurance to help you on your way. And coming up next on the Travel Project.
3: And this is the heart of the Icelandic culture: is the hot water bathing and kind of the wellness aspect to that. What we can do is we can, you know, you can have an adventure, hike in Iceland, you can go to a glacier, you can go mountain climbing, and then you can go to a hot spring and just relax in the hot water, and then you can have an amazing meal.
2: Nothing beats the feeling of travel. The first step off the plane, salt water on your skin sand beneath your toes, a drink in your hand. The list goes on. NIB wants you to enjoy the best parts of travel and help you through any unexpected bumps in the road, whether you're travelling up the coast or overseas. For travel insurance designed for today's travellers, go to nib.com.au slash travel well. NIB, travel insurance to help you on your way.
1: Always read the PDS and TMD at niv.com.au slash travelwell to consider if this product is right for you. Insurance issued by Pacific International Insurance. The Travel Project with Matt and Katie Coyle. From Visit Iceland. Now I'm going to give this a go. Thortis
0: Pir Tortis from Iceland. Yes. Well, welcome. welcome. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Travel Project podcast.
3: Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be able to be here with you today and uh, talk a bit about Iceland, what the Australians can see over there, because we have a lot to offer.
0: I love Iceland personally. I've been there twice, most recently uh, in August of, of this year. But rather than for me, you uh, have worked for the in the tourism industry in Iceland for half your life?
3: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I think I'm a bit familiar with what Iceland has
0: All right. to offer. And, and that's what I'm so excited for our listeners to find out. So the um, thought of this, you, you were saying a little bit earlier, and, and I, I love that about Iceland. I love your your language. It is, it is quite challenging for us in Australia to pronounce. But um, your surname, and that was quite fascinating. Do you mind giving yes. us some insight into that?
3: Yes, of course. So um, my surname is, is Pieterstohtir, which um, translates to the daughter of Peter. If I had a brother, he would be Pieter son, which means son of Peter. And therefore, it's quite interesting to see that, let's say, we have a family, a mother, father, and a daughter. They would all have different last names. So this can be very complicated when we're traveling abroad. (laughs) But it's old tradition, and we've kept it for, for, you know, centuries. How long would you
0: suggest is a good amount of time to really experience Iceland?
3: That's a very good question. Uh, Depends, first of all, what you want to do. I would say if you want to do the whole island, two weeks is great because that gives you plenty of time to explore each region in a manner that, you know, you can actually enjoy everything. If you do more three, four weeks, that's also totally possible, but I understand that that can also be a bit tricky. Uh, in, a, in a week, definitely possible, but then you would maybe choose regions. So you might want to do maybe the south and the west or the west and the north or stick to the west and the west. But to truly be able to see the whole country, I'd say two to three weeks is optimal.
0: How are we traveling around?
3: I would personally recommend renting a car uh, because in that way you will have the freedom to kind of drive and just be and exist you can be driving see a beautiful waterfall you stop you hike you sit down and just experience the nature you can find a little hidden track walking somewhere and then you can take your time in exploring that you can find a hot spring somewhere then you can have a lovely dinner afterwards you're just in a lot more kind of free way if you have your own car um, at the same time, I do recommend booking accommodation in advance, especially if you're coming, you know, in the in the season like summertime, it's always good to plan ahead. But I would say yes, with the, with the car. Or you could also base yourself in Reykjavik, take a flight to the north or to the east, and then, you know, travel around there, do day trips from each city. That is also a possibility, but the car would be more flexibility.
0: Having a car, easy. All righty. Yeah, You mentioned definitely booking that accommodation in, in ahead. Um, also, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but a few years back, I think pre-COVID, tourism was a little bit too crazy for Iceland and you couldn't keep up with the rooms. Am I, am I right?
3: <laughs> well, it depends. I, I would never say it's too crazy okay. or too much because we're a, we're a very big country. Um, you know, we have a lot of space and we are only about 370,000 people. So wow. for this amount of, of, of land that is there. So I think the main thing is just discovering a little bit that there are more regions than just Reykjavik in the south. You know, if, if you head up to the north or the east or the west, turds, there's a lot more areas that are not so explored by all the tourists. And so you can kind of you can navigate your way through Iceland without feeling that it's too crazy or, or busy or anything. Plus, in the summertime, we have 24 hours of daylight. So you can you know you can go to see good cause and cases or, or you know the uh, the south coast at midnight and still have daylight
0: I love that that's also just so normal for, for you for us it's just so foreign to imagine the midnight sun but but you grew up with the the sun up through the night
3: yeah, yeah we go we go hiking in the midnight um, we go swimming we play football we do a lot of things around that time midnight summer wow. summertime
0: well, wow. all righty. So, so let's really go back and, and visit this, this two-week itinerary. And You mentioned these little hidden trails and hidden waterfalls, and that was one of my favourite things. Some of my best uh, experience I had, they they weren't planned. It was just stopping on, on for a snack on the side of the yeah. road and going for a hike and discovering something that, that I felt no one knew was there. So these hidden gems yeah. are amazing. How would somebody that's driving around know where these hidden gems are? Are there any... Say a travel guide you'd recommend or a travel app that may give these little secrets away? I,
3: I personally really, yes, I, I really like to Google, <laughs> yep. just you know, write something um, interesting things to see in the south of Iceland, northeast, and then also the regional offices have their own website. So, just visit south has their own website where you can see attractions, uh, nature spots, hot springs, it's all like listed there. So that is a that is a really great way to find these places. Our biggest challenge, I would say, you know, for travelers for us is, is this weather that we're living with, because we can't have four seasons in one day. We can't have snow in May. We can we can get you know rain for a week, but but then you have to have that kind of plan B and the flexibility that is the mentality of us Icelanders. Our catchphrase, the, the most famous saying of the country is. Which just means it'll work itself out somehow. So this is the attitude that you have to bring with you to your trip. You're driving, you see, oh, I I can't do this or this is, you know, not possible. Well, I'll find something else, and then you find a plan that is probably even better than the one you had in the first place.
0: I love that. Very similar to the Australians, we've we've also got such a, a laid back attitude <laughs> to just deal with it and and go with the flow. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why Iceland is the place for for the Aussies to to check out. Is there a time Definitely. of year that, that you would suggest if there was to be one time, if someone was visiting only once, that would be a great time?
3: I feel that every season has its charm. My personal favourite is the autumn because at the autumn, for example, let's say September, uh, October, you can see the Northern Lights. They're already, you know, happening. Uh, we The weather is is milder than it is in the coldest winter months, uh, might be a bit colder than the summer, but still hasn't gotten too bad yet. And uh, yes, the beautiful colors that are everywhere. Everything is still green, red, yellow. So the landscape is is very beautiful. So my personal favorite is the is the autumn. But as I said, we have the 24 hours in the sun in summer. We have beautiful snow and northern lights in the winter. Christmas is a huge deal here, so it's very fun to be here around Christmas and New Year's. We have a lot of traditions and and, uh, exciting things to offer. And, of course, spring, everything is in bloom, also northern lights in that time.
0: I I went in September, and and I loved it. But for for people that, you know, whether I've booked or or, or met along the way and and seen images of their experience in Iceland – Almost the same locations look completely different, whether they're covered in yes. snow or, or the, the the colors of autumn, or you know the, the yeah. greenery in summer. And I think if you've seen it in September, why not go back in another season?
3: Exactly, exactly. It's a, as you said, it's like a different country to to experience for sure. It is alrighty. Let's let's really go back. So to, to paint the picture, we're, we've
0: got two weeks we're experiencing, experiencing Iceland. We're probably going to be driving. Where should we go and in and which direction and, and where, where can we stay and visit?
3: So let, let's say that you were doing the whole island, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is very nice to start off the driving the south way. That way you start off with kind of what Iceland is most famous for, the Golden Circle, the Black Sandy Beach, the Glacial Lagoon. These are the areas that are most known. So I think it is very nice to kind of see those and then you, you have seen them and you can keep going. And then you will enter an area that an areas that are maybe less discovered, for example, the East Fjords. I went there this uh, September and it was it was gorgeous. You have all of these fjords and tiny little villages and personalities within the cafes and restaurants that will just melt your heart. And all these stories of fishermen and the connection to the history of kind of how Icelanders survived back in the day, because I don't understand how my forefathers did it you know three four hundred years ago without the heating and you know just living in the turf houses and you can learn a lot about that in those little villages all around the country so i would definitely recommend you know don't just drive through the east yards take your time and explore them do some hiking see the area there and just like as i say take your time in the east Fjords. The northern part of the country. There are so many new attractions there. They've opened new routes called the Arctic Coastway and the Diamond Circle that you can drive yourself throughout North Iceland. They have uh, geoc baths, the Forest Lagoon, lots of fantastic restaurants. So there are so many activities in these regions that are maybe not so much talked about in the media and that are Totally worth visiting. Same goes for the Westfjords, which are on the other side of the country. So you have the Eastfjords and you have the Westfjords and they're the oldest parts of Iceland. So the mountains there are completely different to what you see in the South and in the West. So you really get to experience kind of how Iceland was, how it started. You can see the central, you know, uh, volcano stations and all the colors. So it's definitely worth it to spend some time in those remote areas.
0: Amazing. Let's go back to the forest lagoon. That that kind of got my attention. What's that?
3: It's a new lagoon in Akureyri, the capital of the north, as they call it. And they just built it and there's forests all around. It's like on top of a hill, absolutely gorgeous lagoon to go in and stay. And this is the heart of the Icelandic culture is the hot water bathing and kind of the wellness aspect to that what we can do is we can, you know, you can have an adventure hike in Iceland. You can go to a glacier. You can go mountain climbing, and then you can go to a hot spring and just relax in the hot water. And then you can have an amazing meal. You've got you've got wellness, adventure, and culinary all together in in one little half day, which
0: is great. The, the, the one thing that, that I really took away on my first visit to Iceland is really stems from from that wellness. We went to a, a geothermal station. I think the Icelandic they they don't just talk about about d- sustainability or, or or running the country mm-hmm. off off alternative fuels. You you do it and you do it well. There, there was um, the the story about the, the hot water that's pumping up from these geothermal power plants mm-hmm. that pumps through under the roads, so you yeah. don't need to <laughs> you know clear the roads of snow in winter. That's that's fixed. Exactly. That's that gets the cars off. Then am I right? Does yeah. it then? pump through the walls of the houses to, to help with the heating.
3: Yeah, we heat, um, almost not, not quite all of the houses in Iceland. There are some areas, for example, in the East Fjords that don't have access to it, but almost all of the houses in Icelandic are heated with geothermal energy. Same thing goes for, you know, with our, you know, the companies that we're running, we're using almost completely clean, green energy, just the geothermal heat.
0: Amazing. So your, your winters, you. You don't really get a power bill for heating your homes. Uh, is that correct? No,
3: it's the same throughout the year. Yeah. So it's 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 great and and my funniest thing to say about Icelanders is that if we feel cold in our house we just turn the heat up and if it gets too hot we just open the window, you yeah. <laughs> know, to let some <laughs> cold air in because it's just it is green and we have enough of it and it's not that expensive. So this is a luxury that we have that it's never cold inside of our homes.
0: Yeah! Wow, I, I love that. I, I love it. every kind of corner, every road, every path that that I felt like I went down in Iceland. I was discovering something new. It wasn't just the the, the waterfalls or the sights. It was just a new way of of living and yeah. and the Icelandic yeah. they they do it so well and just so friendly as as well. But there was something that I ate there that I didn't really like. So let's talk about the food.
3: Do you, are you talking about? Um... The, the fermented shark yes, or
0: that's the one, yeah, the right, fermented right. shark. Oh,
3: so, <laughs> yes. Going back to what I was saying about my forefathers three, 400 years ago, when Iceland was one of the poorest countries in Europe and it was very difficult to live, we just had to find anything that we could eat. So we would eat a shark that was caught accidentally in the fishing net. And the only way that it wasn't poisonous to us is to ferment it. We'd eat every part of the sheep, every part of the fish, just because we had to. And we were, you know, we had to use every part of the animal. So this is the old traditions. And to be completely honest, Icelanders eat this once once a year when we celebrate the old days. Okay. But nowadays, if you're looking at the culinary traditions of, you know, the modern Icelander, it's more great fresh fish directly from the sea caught in the day. Actually, you can always get fish of the day in the local restaurants. We grow our own vegetables in greenhouses and our own potatoes. They're delicious. We have the lamb that is very sustainably um, raised. It is outside in the summertime with its mother the entire summer. Never is closed up inside in these confined rooms. So the meat there is is great quality and, as I say, very humane and, and sustainable. We have lots of amazing desserts that maybe people don't know about Iceland. We have these great little thin pancakes filled with whipped cream and rhubarb jam. We have a cake called Happy Marriage, which is a jam crumble rhubarb deliciousness. So the culinary scene in Iceland has grown a lot, and we are a lot more than those old traditions, which, as I said, no modern Icelanders eat nowadays. <laughs> you know, keep the traditions alive and realize how good we have it today by seeing how it was back then.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, I also, I had the best tomatoes and the best tomato soup in my life in Iceland. Yes, the, there it,
3: It's always good when it's this kind of greenhouse, small local production. It's just delicious.
0: Amazing. Is there a restaurant? Is there a hotspot? Is there somewhere that that you'd recommend um, would be great to visit?
3: There are so many, to be honest with you, and and I think that you can go into any restaurant in Iceland and have a good meal. There, are, I personally, I've, I've traveled all over my country, I travel a lot in press trips with journalists, and I don't remember the last time I had a bad meal. If you want a safe order, you can always order fish of the day or the lamb, that is very, and, and many soups, meat soup that we have, delicious. So I think um, just look for a little local restaurant. You can see where the Icelanders are and, and find something and then you'll be happy. There's Reykjavik has a great scenery of restaurants, very delicious ones.
0: So if someone was coming in never to experience Iceland before and they've got one opportunity, one experience to do, what is it that, that, that okay. you take them on?
3: I would definitely suggest a nature experience, first of all, whether that's a hiking in, for example, the Reykjavik Peninsula. There are beautiful hot spring hikes there and a a nice water with many colors. Or if it's, you know, a a trip to the Golden Circle or trip to the West, any kind of nature hiking activity. Then a hot spring, whether it's Kvamsvik in the West, Sky Lagoon in Reykjavik or the Blue Lagoon in the Reykjanes and then after that a lovely dinner someplace so that you combine a bit of everything that way you can you can be at peace in the nature experience the air feel the wind then you relax and then you enjoy good food because when you're traveling you always need good food as well
0: Thought of this, It is just so exciting and, and so amazing to have you on with us today and to share those little, little insights. I can't wait to be going back to Iceland again and we will definitely be, be, be meeting up. I'd love to, to, to try that lamb and the fish of the day in Reykjavik.
3: Thank you very much for having me. You're listening to The Travel
1: Project. Thanks to NIB, travel insurance to help you on your way. And coming up next on The Travel Project.
2: You can get a room and you can literally walk out and swim into the lagoon. Now, you you can't ask for anything better than that. Like, if you're doing Iceland, do it in style, right? From a week in Bali to a month in Europe, NIB Travel Insurance can offer cover for your overseas adventures. When you think Iceland, often you've heard about the Blue Lagoon, which is, you know, incredible...
0: Very iconic. The hot thermal waters,
2: oh, the, the turquoise blue. And then the the clay. Is it clay um, for that you just lift, scoop up from the water and put all over your face? It
0: is. It's like a mud. And and you can, and they literally swim around and they've got tubs of it. But if you buy it at the gift shop, I think it's about $150 <laughs> for a tube. So that's what you did much, the first time. Get, get as much as you can.
2: <laughs> so you may have heard of the Blue Lagoon, but you mm-hmm. might not have heard that you can actually stay at the Blue Lagoon. There's a place called The Retreat. And it's this award-winning luxury resort. It's only 62 hotel rooms, mm-hmm. um, Michelin star dining. Probably the highlight is you can get a room and you can literally walk out and swim into the lagoon. How good now, is that? You, you can't ask for anything better than that. Like if you're doing Iceland, do it in style, right?
0: Oh, yeah. And, and you know what? The Blue Lagoon is I think about 30 kilometres from the airport. So it's one of those places you can either start your trip after the the, the the long journey. Or end it.
2: What end way? it with end a bang.
0: What, what a way. Yeah. Looks stunning. So So we can get rooms there and just swim out and have access to the Blue Lagoon. Yeah. Private access.
2: So cool. And to have your own private part of the Blue Lagoon that's just yours. You don't have to share it with anyone. Like I just think that is such a perk to a hotel.
0: The retreat at Blue Lagoon. Amazing. There was one more, the Blue Lagoon, the same company. They've just opened Sky Lagoon.
2: Didn't, did you did you end up going there?
0: I did there, so yeah. I, I I've been to the two, and it's really lucky hard.
2: duck. It's it's really
0: hard to to choose your fave one over the other. Yeah, yeah, because they're just both see, amazing. They are. You know what? I think the Blue Lagoon. It's it's just iconic. The colours, the the, mm. the the mud facials, which were just, I just I came out feeling younger and fresh. <laughs> but Sky Lagoon is just otherworldly. It's yeah. just the same naturally geothermal heated waters. But an infinity view across the ocean.
2: Yeah, that's pretty magical.
0: I think if if we get to stay at one, though, Mm. that's where I'm going to be going.
2: That's where you'd stay, the Retreat Hotel. At Blue Lagoon. Yeah. The
1: Travel
0: Project with Matt and Katie Coyle. When heading off on holidays, there's one thing travellers should consider, and it has nothing to do with your in-flight entertainment. It's arranging a travel insurance policy to protect against the unexpected. As someone who's travelled to 61 countries... I want to know that if things go pear-shaped, whether it's injury, sickness, cancelled flight, stolen luggage or even COVID, I have cover available. That's why NIB Travel Insurance offers a range of plans for both domestic and overseas travel. They understand it's your holiday, so they make the whole travel insurance thing easy from buying it through making a claim. NIB, travel insurance to help you on your way.
1: Always read the PDS and TMD at nib.com.au slash travel well to consider if this product is right for you. Insurance issued by Pacific International Insurance.
0: I was very fortunate enough to meet my next guest when I was in Iceland. And uh, I, I was very lucky to join Norwegian Cruise Lines on the inaugural cruise of the Prima. I have with me today the director of sales for Australia and New Zealand, Mr. Damien Borg. Damien, thank you so much
4: for joining me. Matt, great to be here again. Thanks very much. Hey, Damien,
0: I was I was chatting a little bit earlier on in the episode about ways to get to Iceland because it's just so far away, and what a unique opportunity to cruise from potentially the UK to Iceland or end your journey in Iceland with a cruise back to uh, back to Europe. Why? Why did uh, Norwegian Cruise Lines really focus on this region?
4: Look, it it really came back to or came down to the fact that this ship was so unique in itself. We needed a destination to match the experience. And um, and Iceland is certainly a part of the world that is very aspirational. It's on a lot of people's bucket lists. Uh, It certainly wasn't on mine until I got there. I'm not sure about you, Matt, but... um, you know, and it did take a little while to get there, but once you're there, it's such an amazingly beautiful place and so different to everything else. So we wanted a wow factor, you know. We we, we provide a wow factor on on this ship. She's certainly spectacular, and we needed that destination to match that. So Iceland was a natural fit.
0: What I normally find is some hard-to-get-off-the-beaten-path locations. Some of the cruises or, or, or the ships themselves, they're not, not the best, but this was the best ship I could even imagine, if I was to put pen to paper, the Norwegian Prima. Let's have a chat about this one-of-a-kind ship.
4: Well, she's one-of-a-kind at the moment. She'll be joined by a sister ship next year in around about August, and she's the first of six new ships in this class, actually, Matt, that will be rolling out in the next six to seven years. So she won't be new for long, but let me tell you, as an addition to our fleet, and I, I believe our fleet is – incredible in itself um, with most of our ships actually all of our ships being refurbished in the last three to four years building a new class of ship is always a challenge trying to come up with new innovations um, new gadgets toys uh, attractions to entice guests is always difficult but let me tell you the team that works in our in our ops and our brains trusts have done a great job with this ship she's truly remarkable
0: can you give us a little bit of insight as to what we'll find on board?
4: Yeah, look, absolutely. So the Prima class ships, first two being Prima and Viva, who will launch next year. Uh, if if you know a little bit about our, the classes of ships we have, the last time we re- released a, a brand new class of ship was 10 years ago, and that was our Breakaway Plus class ships. So to give you a, um, an idea of size and scale, Prima is the same size as our breakaway class ships, our breakaway class ships carry just over 4000 guests. Prima will only carry for 3100 guests. So we've already freed up almost 1000 guests on this on this new ship. So that allowed us to free up a lot of space and it was almost like we developed this ship post pandemic, Matt, because uh, what they've done with that space is, is two major things. One is create um, a greater footprint within the cabins and staterooms. Uh, I think you'll agree that the staterooms are quite large, um, including the bathrooms on top of that. Yeah. Um, and the second, um, most exciting aspect of this new build is the outdoor deck space and, uh, level eight or decade, um, is all deck space, all outdoor deck space. So, you know, for those guests looking for a cruise experience that provides a lot more access to fresh air and outdoor activities, um, the premier class ships certainly do deliver that. So, she has the most outdoor deck space than any other new build in the market. Um, we can claim that, and definitely our biggest cabins on on our ships across our fleet. And that's just the start. We've um, we've implemented uh, our racetrack on this ship as well. Did you get a go of the racetrack? Did track I get a go of the
0: racetrack? Did I ever? <laughs> this is just out of this world. So, let's go racetrack. I I think I don't want to skim over that. This is a a go-kart. Is it the the first ever go-kart track at
4: sea? Yeah, so we were the first cruise line to put a racetrack um at sea uh, and that was on our uh Norwegian Bliss ship. Um we now have three, this is a fourth ship with um with a racetrack on there, but this one has three levels. So it's definitely excitement plus, uh, not for the faint-hearted, but um, certainly something different to do at sea.
0: Three levels of go-karts. I, I, we've got go-karts here in Melbourne and they don't have free three levels. This is just phenomenal. Um, now, they're they're electric karts. Yep. Which is great. Yep. They're environmentally feel-
4: friendly. They go quite fast. Um, you'd be surprising how fast they do go. Um, And we have a number of different initiatives on the track as well. There's there's the usual session and and racing type environments, but then we also do speed laps where we let people go around the track by themselves and we clock that over the course of a cruise. And at the end of the cruise, a fastest lapper, let's call them that, um, wins some prizes and awards. So it's pretty exciting. But yeah, a lot of fun. Amazing.
0: Um, And, And I don't want anyone to think that you know being electric takes away from the power of a Of a go-kart because the sounds that come out of it, I guess it's just speakers, but wow, it feels like you're driving a a, a go-kart and trust me, they go as quick as any other go-kart. So what what an amazing experience. So there's plenty to do, but you've only just really touched on it. I think even the promenade, just to kind of go back down to that, that was my favorite place. I think... I've had many conversations with people and a sentence that may come up was oh, I didn't want to be stuck on a, on, on, on a cruise ship and you're not. And especially in a space like this, it's like how, how if I was to be in a in a city in Europe and just walking along the waterways with cafes and restaurants and places to sit, that's what it's like wrapping around the entire ship. That was just my experience. I loved it. So we've touched on the promenade, we've touched on the, the
4: go-kart. What else can we do? Uh, dining on board has ta- been taken to the next level as well, Matt. And um, you know, whilst the that that level eight space uh, really does give you access to the entire ship. You know, traditionally with ships, you're navigating um, from floor to floor and end to end within the ship internally. Uh, on this ship, you're really doing that around the edges, and you can get that fresh air feel as well. But um, that boardwalk can take you all the way to our um, our dining experiences, which. Um, something new for Prima and Prima Class is our Indulge Food Hall. It's um, it's a collection of restaurants in a in a food hall type environment where you wander in, take a seat at a table. On the table, there's an iPad there, and you basically can order from um, I think it was five or six restaurants in that particular area, and your food is delivered to you within like five minutes. It's an incredible um, incredible facility. The food is is outstanding. Um, almost specialty um, uh, dining in, in most of our other cruise ships but uh, just a convenient way to add another dimension to a dining experience but then on top of that we've got some wonderful included restaurants uh, with other carte meals being served from a menu and of course specialty dining such as Cagney's our famous steakhouse is uh, is absolutely a must when you jump on board any of our ships.
0: Oh, amazing! I'm I'm just wanting to to go back there. So we are talking Iceland and everything Iceland, and and we were lucky enough, Damien yourself and 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 me to meet in Iceland. This was the inaugural cruise, the christening of the the, uh, the the Prima, and the first ever cruise ship christened in Iceland.
4: Yes,
0: amazing. Yes. So you're you're now focusing on doing an entire season each year with with your ship with the Prima. Going between
4: Iceland and where? Uh, into the UK, out of Southampton. She'll um, obviously sail back down from Iceland into Amsterdam as well. So unique part of the world, uh, which which we believed um, a ship of this calibre and this quality needed to service a destination that matched its, its its quality. So Iceland was a natural. Um, I think you'll agree that the christening event in that location was quite spectacular. Uh, some of our, our guests and partners actually saw the, the Northern Lights one or two of the nights that we were on board that ship, which was very early um, uh, in the year to, to do that. But it really did uh, did match and mirror the um, experience on board. So, um, yeah, look, we're very, very lucky and very proud to be servicing that part of the world. Uh, as I said, Iceland and Reykjavik is not the easiest place in the world to fly to, but certainly worth it when you get there because there is no, no place on earth like it. So
0: what would something like this cost?
4: Look, great question. And um, let me just run through, uh, first of all, just where the value comes from when you're booking or considering a Norwegian cruise line. Uh, It's genuinely all-inclusive with with a couple of asterisks thrown in there for specialty dining and, you know, boutique cocktails and those sorts of things. But um, when you're looking at a 10-day Northern Europe itinerary on Prima, travelling from Reykjavik down to London, Um, obviously travelling through Iceland, you've got Norway, the Netherlands, and then down in the UK. A lead-in inside cabin um, starts from about 5,500 per person um, up to a balcony lead-in for about 7,200 per person. So the one thing to keep in mind with Norwegian Cruise Honor NCL is uh, our free at sea offer is included on every category, every meta and every sailing. So Free at Seas is, is the offer of um, some inclusions, amenities, such as our drinks package. Um, so that price is all inclusive of drinks uh, on board, obviously with the exception of your top line, spirits and cocktails. Uh, also includes a couple of specialty dining um, uh, sittings as well. Our Wi-Fi package, Surex credit uh, for those wanting to venture abroad on, on land. And there's another deal as well, which is part of that offer, which is our third and fourth guests travel at reduced rates. So if you've got a family, four, looking to travel on any one of our cruise ships, then certainly pick a sailing with the third and fourth deal because it could save a a significant amount of money for those two guests sharing the same cabin. You also offer
0: something that is uh, quite unique to Norwegian Cruise Line or NCL, which is the small ship experience on a larger ship, the Haven.
4: The Haven's um, an amazing space and, and more so on these Prima-class ships. Um, to, to give you a, a rundown, the Haven is is our ship within a ship concept, Matt. So um, what I mean by that is uh, a private uh, private lift key card access area that is only accessible to Haven guests. Uh, on the Prima itself, we have 127 from memory suites, Uh, and they are all suites all with balconies most with um, spa baths as well this particular area is only accessible through a private haven lift um, that is only um, that only guests with the key cards into the haven can get into within this environment is a haven restaurant exclusive to haven guests there's concierge service there there's even its own um exclusive haven infinity pool at the after the ship which is quite spectacular so this is really for those guests looking for a a more refined a more exclusive experience um and really wanting to enjoy their own space uh, and their own quality time however the wonderful thing about our ships is and we do have a haven on a number of our ships matt is that Um, not everyone just wants to spend time by themselves in a quiet, luxurious space. Um, There's a lot of guests who want that, want to retire to their suite and have that exclusivity, but also want to take advantage of everything a big ship has to offer. And with us, it's go-kart tracks, it's slides, it's galaxy pavilions, it's Broadway and West End shows and some of the best restaurants at sea.
0: I was literally just thinking that I, I could picture Katie sitting up by the Haven suite, reading a book and myself getting bored, but I could go go up and do some go-karting and then have that small ship experience. I absolutely yeah. love that. You yeah. mentioned. The
4: uh, yeah. The wonderful thing about our ships, Matt, is that look, the Haven is definitely a guaranteed space there where you can be yourself. Um, we have so many, um, so many areas within this ship where people can just get away and, and, uh, and not be amongst group of people i think that's one of the unique things about the way our ships are built they're strategically built to allow um or or basically to avoid mass gatherings so to speak our restaurants are spread out all of the amenities and activities are spread out amongst the ship and you generally on a full ship don't feel that there's three thousand other guests on board with you
0: not at all no i never ever felt like that and i think that's one thing that you guys do really well the ship stunning the itineraries are absolutely amazing, and and whilst we are talking Iceland right now, I love the itinerary that goes around Iceland through the through Norway, and uh, ending in UK via Amsterdam. However, where else can we cruise with NTL?
4: We can cruise everywhere, Matt. Um, we are we've got we'll have up to nine ships in Europe in and around Europe next year in twenty four. Uh, and important to note that we've actually got sailings open now into twenty five. Wow. And we're seeing business um, we're seeing business book quite steadily um, into that period now given people want to try and book their holidays so further in advance. Um, in Alaska we have uh, at any one time up to six ships in that part of the world, which is um, a really nice footprint. And the real unique thing about us in Alaska, Matt is I think traditionally or typically Alaska is marketed to a, an older demographic. Um, and the hardware up there um, for some cruise lines really does match that demographics needs, but with us, we've got two ships, Joy and um, and Bliss, that have race tracks and have um, adventure options for for the younger at heart, um, which adds a different dimension on board, um, which matches really and mirrors that experience on shore as well. So, a different product in Alaska. We'll be sailing into uh, into Asia in the back half of '23. Um, we've also got a domestic product, Norwegian Spirit actually arrives into Sydney in about 10 days time, which we're excited about. First time our ship has arrived into Australia in, uh, in nearly three years. Um, so that's fairly exciting. Uh, and outside of that, probably our most popular and best known ship is the Pride of America, which sails out of Honolulu every Saturday and does a seven day itinerary around the islands.
0: Damien, thank you so much for, for joining us and, and sharing some amazing insight into NCL on the Travel Project podcast. Cheers, mate. If Iceland is uh, on your horizon and you're wanting to, to really kind of immerse yourself and, and, and experience a place like no other, reach out to myself or, or my team at Melbourne and now Brisbane Travel Project. So we've got uh, a, a store located down in Mornington in Melbourne and uh, we've got a few absolutely Amazing travel advisors spread out throughout Brisbane. So reach out to us and you can find all details at the alternatively Brisbane or Melbourne travelproject.com dot au.